and welcome to the founder created for the founder of lady hoggers i'm molly from the copper as always and we got some friends over there say hello <laughs> hey y'all it's uh, it's early in the morning for us we're not usually up and going this early i'm laura jensen uh the pig nerd you can find me there and i'm happy to be here who else we got over there all wrapped up <laughs> I'm Amanda Buck with the Buck Family Ranch, and I'm looking forward to talking about what we're talking about today. Yep. Amanda's over there with a blanket on her, and I'm just amazed. Yep. Well, what's crazy is so our morning is in the 50s, and it just it's just enough to kind of feel a little bit brisk because there's a little bit of a breeze. Um, but it's supposed to get up to 94 today. So it's I mean, it's gonna be plenty warm. It's just oh yeah yeah it cools off at night <laughs> yeah oh i i've been i've been having to get up super early and feeding everything and i mean it'll be five o'clock in the morning and i'm out there and i'm already sweating i'm like what in the hell is this yeah yeah, yeah. It is, it's gross yeah yeah we're in those dog days of summer i uh, just i always look at it just a few more weeks and sometimes i have to say that two or three times but a few more weeks and we'll be over it yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, crazy. yeah. I, was, I was talking to my mom about that this week because, you know, they are still in North Carolina. And it's been so hot and so humid. Yeah. And, uh, here last week, we actually had red flag warnings because our humidity was in between 10 and 15 percent. And that's it. Mm. What does that mean? A red flag warning? I mean, I'm, I know that means you don't go in the ocean, but I don't think you have that problem where you are. <laughs> So the red flag warning here means that there is a majorly increased risk of fires. Um, so mainly due to like lightning strikes and things like that. So there's actually a fire that's about like an hour and a half, two hours away from here. Um, that last time I checked, which was at the end of last week, it was 11,000 acres and was 0% contained. So I, it, it's just that time of year here where the humidity gets really, really, really low. And then you have some winds and it's hot. So you have heat lightning and then you have fires. It's a different yeah, way of living. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so besides that, what's going on in the big Idaho over there, Amanda? Well, let's see. Scout was supposed to go mutton busting on Saturday to qualify I for the war. I saw that she got a little, little hesitant. She did. It was like kind of leading up to it. I could tell she was kind of nervous whenever she would think about it. Because the first time that she went, she didn't really get hurt. But when she fell off the sheep, she got the wind knocked out of her. And I think that was scary to her because that had never happened to her before. So she kept telling us, I really don't want that to happen again. I really don't want that to happen again. And then the day of when we got there, like that morning, she busted out of the out of the camper and was like it's my busting day and she was like super super amped well when we got there she got real quiet which is not like her and I'd be like you doing okay and she'd go I'm just nervous <laughs> I'd say okay well it's okay to be nervous there's a lot of things that we do that we get nervous about but we do it anyway and then you feel really proud of yourself and just tried to like pep talk her. Well, when her time slot came and all the kids were lining up, they called her name first. Uh, and it was like, get your helmet on, get on the sheep. And she was not ready. It was like, we were in line and she, she was still kind of like, I don't know, I'm really nervous. And then all of a sudden they're like, scout buck. And yeah, she, um, Kellen went to try to set her on. The, they were like, well, why don't you just sit on the sheep and see how it feels? And she wouldn't even, she was like death gripping Kellen and wouldn't even sit on the sheep. So I think we're just going to put it on. Is there mutton busting over? Is what? Is our mutton busting career on hold? It's on hold for sure. I don't, she might try to do it again next year. I don't know. But I think for this year, we're just going to kind of ride it out a little bit this coming month august is full of rodeos so we're going to be going and she will see a lot of kids mutton busting and i hope that it will you know kind of be an encouragement to her that she could try it again and yeah. it, 
I know there's going to be other things in their future Saturday and Sunday. Um, Hallie was riding horses over at her cousin's house. <clears throat> I saw that. Yeah. And then yesterday we went huckleberry picking and there was a really nice guy there. There was a whole group that was unloading horses to go on a trail ride. And he was just standing there talking with us. And he was, we'd asked him how old his horse was. And he goes, I don't know, probably about 30. <laughs> We're like, what? But yeah. he said, he was just like, he's a really good horse. And he was like, anytime I just want to drink a glass of whiskey and Coke and trail ride, he's the horse I pick. <laughs> yeah. He let, he let the kids each hop on and just kind of sit in the saddle for a minute. And then we went and picked huckleberries and around here, that's like finding pots of gold. So yeah, that's, that's about it. That's well, we, we, with our huckleberry picking. We were out in the woods. They grow in areas. They do not grow in confinement. <laughs> so you can't just grow them in a garden. You got to go out and find them in the woods. And they like to grow at above 5,000 feet elevation, which we're that right where we are, but we still went up into the mountains because they also like to grow on a hillside underneath pine trees. <laughs> so you got to get out there and try to look and find them. And um, there were a lot of green ones, but we did come home with about a gallon bucket full, which I was reading somewhere the other day that in our neighboring state of Montana, a gallon currently is selling for a hundred dollars. So geez. Wow. Yeah, they're, I mean, it's because they grow in the wild. You got to find them and you got to beat the other pickers to them. And you're also competing with wildlife. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I guess I'm going ginseng hunting around here. Yeah. Yeah. Sane hunting. I hadn't heard that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, tell, tell them kids if they want some money, they better get their asses out there and start hunting. Hunting huckleberries. I know. Huck picking. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on with Big GA? Well, I don't have nearly as fun an ag story as Amanda from the weekend, but um, we uh, we went up to North Georgia. We've uh, got a little community of friends up there that we dearly love, uh, and uh, some of them are leaving. So we hosted a, uh, a party uh, for them up there, and... Uh, for me, I am a uh, I'm a kid of summer with a June birthday. I love summertime, and one of my favorite things in the world is to be outside in the summer with friends, just having good conversation and good fun. And that's largely what we did this weekend: just kind of relaxed and ate yeah. well and had great company. So, yeah, Mondays for me. We're recording on Monday. Um, nobody's here but me on Mondays, other than you know my kids, of course. But uh, so it's a good day for me to kind of you know get my head resorted, work on projects that I don't have time to get to once the store's rolling. Um, yeah, we'll see what this week has in store. It's still too early to tell. <laughs> no, no. no I, uh, Lord, we had a, we had such bad storms come here through come through here this weekend. It would be, I mean, it was like 90, 98. And then all of a sudden, it's just like the bottom fell out of the sky and it was just Ooh. insane. Thunder, lightning, trees falling down. Wow. In a way, it helped because, I mean, I can't be out there all the time making sure all the hogs are good. So the rain, you know, does help in that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To fill back up the water holes and at least drench them off some, you know. And you could tell that they loved it because although it's thundering and lightning, they're all out there soaking in the rain. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We say uh, when it rains like that, we're like, God's got the wallers. We're good today. It's a right, nice relief. <laughs> yes. I'm like, thank Jesus, you know. But, uh -huh. uh, but my, uh, my second book came in the mail today. Woo! So, yesterday. So I got that. Uh, there's a few little corrections that I got to make on like punctuation and I got to fix a few little sentences. But other than that, I'm pretty happy with it. It's a, uh, it was something, you know, I learned a lot from the first one. So mm -hmm. uh, I think this one is, I think this one is better and hopefully I just keep growing, you know, getting better at it. We'll see. Yeah. And, uh, good. Can't wait. Copy. We're so excited. 
yeah, I, I'm super excited about it. Uh, but a cool thing that happened was is somebody contacted me and wanted to know if I would draw a piece of art for their sister's birthday. Oh, how uh, nice. That's yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. So they asked me if I could um, draw a picture for their sister's birthday. And um, and then it was like after that, I had two more people ask me if I could draw like or if they could buy some of my prints or whatever and have them framed. So that feels pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. That's a milestone. Way to go. Yeah. My little chicken scratches and doodles and, you know. It's more than that, Molly. You've got a real, real talent and it's, uh, and it's true and it's real. So like I always tell you, don't stop. Keep going. Yeah. Go, go, go. Yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought it was pretty. So I'm going to draw something up and we're going to send it off to have it matted and framed. So good. Yeah. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. There's a girl that's in our uh, group. I'm, I know I'm getting a little off subject when we got to start, but there's a girl that's in our group and she is an artist. Um, she does beautiful paintings. Uh, I'll have to look back. I cannot remember what her name is. Jesus Frazier or something like that is her last name. Uh, it, you know, you know that somebody posted about that they had a sow that ate a piglet. Mm -hmm. uh, the other, okay, it was it's her. Ah, okay. She, yeah, she's an artist. She paints and stuff. So when I see her paintings compared to mine. Oh, we're just two different genres, but I tell myself. <laughs> you really are. You really are. You can't be her and she can't be you. And that's the no. beauty of it. No, exactly. like we're two different genres. Yeah. But yeah. she does some incredible, she does some incredible stuff with paints. Pretty cool. But anyways, I just think that, you know, um, I'm trying to think outside of the box at this point and going towards more things that intrigued me in my earlier years, like I did mm -hmm. used to draw earlier and mm -hmm. try and trying to adapt those to my farm, you know, mm -hmm. and seeing what I can do from there. Uh, because I, as much as I love the pigs, you know, I feel like I have to have some other outlets, but basing them on the pigs as well. Yeah. I think multiple revenue streams is smart. I think that all farmers, regardless of their size should consider that. Yeah. But it also helps me like mentally and emotionally, like sure. to relieve things, you know what I mean? To get my yeah. hands back creative stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the reasons why I do cross stitch and quilting. <laughs> Even though I like to make fun of my old lady hobbies, <laughs> but just having that creative outlet to pour into, it's good. It's good for my soul. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in times which we're going to talk about this later on in another episode but I think that in times where you're so put into your farm or into your job that you lose that connection you know and then we're we're overwhelming ourselves with no outlets at that point so to find you an outlet really can help you you know in your soul and your mind to really let some of that stress and anxiety, you know, be free. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. So off subject to what we're going to talk about today, we will talk about that on another episode. But today, today, we're going to talk about the <laughs> famous, famous cow farts. <laughs> oh, cow farts, cow farts, cow farts. Here we go. Cow farts. So we're not talking about pig farts today. We're going to talk about cow farts. So far, pig farts and burps are not bad. So far, so far. Although they've never met, they've never met my pig Rosalind because she literally farts every time she takes a step. <laughs> so it's I, like you'll be going through the field and you can hear Rosalind coming because she is farting as she comes to eat. <laughs> One of my funniest moments with pigs is watching one in a waller and it's all so cute and it's all buried in the mud and then it farts. <laughs> bubbles, bubbles, blowing bubbles. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So yeah. let's, let's talk about this a little bit. All right. Okay. So big news going on, which has actually been going on for a minute. Yes. About been. the about the methane release. So mm -hmm. it's been going on, but I think that we are 
it's starting to take another turn because there's actually places that are eliminating their cattle. Because of that? Yes. So is it the Netherlands? I don't know. I don't know about that. Okay. Well, then I'm going to have to send it to you. Yeah. But anyway, we'll, I'll, I'll do that in just a minute. So there are places that are actually having, uh, they're going along with this on the issues of the methane from the cattle. And so anyways, Laura, we had you do some research, right? Yep. Yep. That's what I do. Uh, so uh, just to be clear up front, I don't know that I believe that cow farts are bad. Um, I'm, I'm a believer in what was put on this earth is here for our benefit and it's our job to be stewards and manage it. So uh, I wanted to find out more facts about is there any truth to this uh, cows are killing the planet or not. Um, I found a couple articles and I've got one here printed out from Iowa Farm Bureau. There's some interesting numbers in it and I'm going to read it and share and then uh, we can talk about it and uh, go from there. But it goes uh, cattle and other ruminants. And I know that we have uh, folks that aren't uh, ruminant aware, <laughs> shall we say, as far as what yeah. is a ruminant. And essentially a ruminant is a multi-stomached or multi-chambered stomach animal. Would y'all yes. agree with that? Okay. Yeah. Um, typically in our world, it's goats and cows, right? Is there something else I'm missing there? Sheep. Sheep. Aha. So I'm not a big sheep person. I, I don't, I know one thing about them. So, okay. So those are our yes. ruminants. But in, in this, uh, I was talking about ruminants and that really they only account for about 4% of greenhouse gases. And that's according to the EPA, 4%, y'all. In comparison, our transportation system, that's cars, planes, and more, accounts for 25.3% of greenhouse gases. So uh, even with extreme dietary changes, such as an all-vegan, all-plant diet, it really won't have much of an impact on climate change and global temperatures. Research shows that removing all livestock and poultry from the U.S. food system would only reduce global greenhouse gas emissions by 0.36%. How about that? Which is fine. I mean, it is. Go ahead, Amanda. I was just going to say it's mind-blowing. That that statistic is mind-blowing that this even has traction. <laughs> How did we get here, right? Where did this come from? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. hold on a second. So, I want to go back. So, the Dutch government has unveiled a plan to radically reduce the number of livestock in the country as it struggled to contain an overload of animal manure. Hmm. So they're planning, they're planning to do away with 67% of their livestock. Wow. All right. My opinion, and I don't, I don't know the rest of the story, but I know the Netherlands is not a, a landmass like the United States, but I know in, in U.S. markets that feedlots drive the beef industry. Therefore, yep. poop becomes a problem. Now, what, what we look at is the three of us are pasture-based operations. There's actually a way to use that poop to fertilize your land and yes. stay in a regenerative ag space. So yes. I'm, I feel disconnected and that what happened? How did we go from pastures are good and there's this life cycle that, that feeds the cows that feeds us to it's bad? Yeah. Because I think, I seriously think it is going down to just control of everything. I think it's going down to control. It's going down to people are putting in feedlots and everything like that because it's less maintenance, less work. You know, we, it, we feel as though it's less, but we're working for the animal instead of the animal working for us. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that, um, you know, there's a commercial side to it. Um, I, I think that, that cow farts on the whole, as crazy as it sounds, touches on all the long-legged spider issues in yes. our ag industry. And I think that's just one of them. Yeah. But where did we, when did we become so consumed with just the, the, the farts of cattle? Right, right. It's as if uh, someone wants to change our diets or some people or a group of people want to change our diets. Now, this article goes on 
um, to talk about that uh, the nutrients that we get from uh, beef cattle will actually have a huge impact on us that, yeah. that we as human beings are in need of what um, what cattle provide us. So if that's the case, what happens next? How do we get that? Where does that come from? Seems like we got a really perfect natural resource out there that now is being doomed and deemed bad. Yeah, because it can't be patented and made money off of. <laughs> well, yeah. there's that. There's that. So there's also another part um, of an article that I found that says uh, this, this could be what's driving some of this alternative proteins. It says uh, it's from Frontiers. And it says by 2050, and as, as much as I can't believe that, that's, you know, what, 27 years from now, that's yeah. not that far off, that the world's total population is expected to grow or might exceed 9 billion people. And hence the demand for food, feed, and fiber around the globe is expected to increase by 70%. Now, when I first read that, I was like, whoa, that must be a population explosion. What's, you know, what's going on? What's driving these numbers? So I asked Siri, what's today's population for the world, Siri? 7.8 billion. So not even really a 10% increase, really. Yeah. So. But I think that numbers, numbers have always been thrown out there, right? Mm -hmm. And to scare people. Yes. Yeah. Numbers, numbers are used to scare people because people don't understand. First of all, you tell somebody that, oh, it's going up to, it's going to go up to 9.8 billion. Mm -hmm. Well, Ooh. that number, that number scares people because it's a huge number, but they don't already know the existing one. Yeah. Right. right. And I can tell you with my business brain, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at a number steal. It's just something I've learned yeah. over the years. And those numbers just simply don't compute for me. They, mm -mm. they just don't. Yeah. Mm -mm. But I think that that's one thing that they always go to is all these statistics and all this, because that's really, that drives fear in people because they feel like, well, they really, they really know what they're talking about, throwing them numbers out there. You know, yeah. Yeah. When, when in reality, they could be just simple, but they're made to sound very profound. You know. Well, I think, you know, something I've learned in my marketing, my self-taught marketing is that fear sells. And I think that we saw that in the last three years at an extreme level. And there's also that, that thought of if you want to control a population, you just got to make them scared just enough to be willing to sacrifice their values to do what they feel like they have to do from a place of fear. And I think our culture yeah. is sadly largely driven by that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and I think with the use of social media and things like that, even if you weren't too totally frightened by something going on, if you are in tune with social media, you're seeing peers all around you panicky or fearful or, you know, and then all of a sudden you realize, hey, maybe I do need to take this serious. Maybe I do need to be afraid of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, to me... But but, Go ahead. But in your but in some of your research, though, Laura, you did find that what was it that the the farms had basically eliminated that destruction of the what was it? <laughs> right, right. Uh, also, that's worth my noting. hillbilly. That's, that's my hillbilly explanation right there. Um, so this is the same article in the Iowa Farm Bureau says also worth noting while methane, which methane is the gas that that they think cow burps have more of than farts. However, cows are emitting that whopping 4% or cows and ruminants are emitting that 4% of it um, that they think is killing the ozone. However, it goes on to say. Uh, while methane, excuse me, while methane is a potent greenhouse gas, it rapidly decays in 12 years. In comparison, carbon dioxide re released by burning fossil fuels or our vehicles last in the air for hundreds of years. So if a cattle farm has existed for 12 years, and a lot of them have, uh, those established farms are actually carbon neutral and aren't creating any new methane emissions. It also mm -hmm. goes on to say that cows are natural upcyclers that uh, eat a plant material that would end up in landfills otherwise. So there's yeah. that. 
Yeah, which I find, you know, just like the video that I sent you all that uh, Bob had posted, you know, burning 42 million tires Mm -hmm. with that rolling in the air. Mm -hmm. But we're scared of a cow farm. Right, right. It just doesn't add up. It's it's as if that line uh, keeps coming back on all of our episodes. I'm with the government and I'm here to help. How many times has that worked for us? Yeah. And, I, and you know, I don't want to, I don't think that we all need to be wearing tinfoil hats like Amanda, you know, but, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if two and two is an equaling four, you know, it's, there's something that's just not right. And I, I find it bizarre that we're going towards the elimination of some of the main food that we as humans consume. Yes. You know, we are targeting the main food markets. And it is it is bizarre to me that now things that have sustained their our planet for however long are the worst things for us. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think, you know, even if you don't wear a tinfoil hat, it is still oh no she disappeared no i'm still here i'm i'm still here i'm moving my dogs gotcha i feel like it is still important to question things like even you can you can be totally okay with doing whatever the thing may be but i think it's still good to kind of question it like i wonder why there's been this change i wonder what's fueling this change i wonder what's you know just what benefit is there to doing this? I think it's important to just question things, whether you agree with doing it or don't agree with it, because then you know that if you're going to go along with it, you're going to do whatever it may be. You can feel good about your decision instead of feeling like, well, everybody else is doing it. I'm going to do it too. <laughs> like, right. question, question it a little bit. It doesn't make you a tinfoil hat wearer. If you don't want to don that moniker, is that, is that the word for that? <laughs> Um, if you want to do that, that's fine. You don't have to put on your tinfoil hat, but still just kind of question things a little bit. Yeah. But do you think that it also comes, it can revert back to as well as you shouldn't question your authority? I think there's some of that in there. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's tough because I feel like I myself respect authority. I also respect government and the principles of government. I think, Myself being a Christian, I believe God established government and handed that down to Noah. And it, you know, so I believe in the institution of government. I think we do need government. But I think that because of man, government becomes corrupt because we all want, we all want the money, we all want the power, we all want all those things. And so I think that now. I would, I can still ponder in my mind, like, okay, is this really going to benefit me? Is this going to benefit my family and things like that? I can, I feel like it's, it's hard. You can still respect the institution of government, but also question its motives. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, know, when I look at all that they're saying though, about the manure and about the gases and stuff, when I go out here on my farm, everything is open. So my 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 animals are roaming. My land is so green. You know, mm-hmm. the air, the air is so crisp and it feels so good to breathe it in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just hard for me to fall into the track of this is not good for you. You need to do this instead. Yeah. Because when you get out and you see it and you visit, I mean, there's videos and videos of all these farmers and their farmland and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful and it's thriving, you know, yeah. but for <laughs> us and there's cows, there are cows on it. You know, it's hard for me to even fathom believing that that is the depletion of us. Yeah. 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 I, it's, it is such a, it's like so far out there to me to even like there's so many other things that you can think of that would be creating far more 
Yeah. You know, far more issues. And, you know, it's also, I feel like it, it can take such a political turn because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, how many presidents have we had? How many leaders have we had that harp on climate change and like all these other things? And when, I mean, you can believe how you want to believe. I personally think that things just go in cycles. Like it's just the way it is. Um, I don't believe that we're going to make it so that we cannot thrive on our own planet. I mean, I think that we can do damage for sure, but I don't think we, we are not a higher being. We are not the ones truly in control. And I just don't believe that we are going to get it to the point of not being able to survive on our own planet. Meanwhile, skyscrapers and all this stuff is being put up, you know, and taking up. I mean, we're becoming a concrete land. And what comes from that? Right. And all these plants to make, um, you know, fake food effectively. Is that really what we want? And, you know, for me, I see this as a cultural issue, uh, national and even international, really, because as I research more and more things in ag that we as the sounder talk about the the reality to me is that that our our leaders our overall cultural choice is not for individual health it is not for a balance in nature and people it is not for um this life cycle that we as small farmers cherish it's it's uh it's everything but that and uh that's that's a tough pill to swallow for me because as long as that is the mindset for the leaders of the world for that matter what do we do how do we overcome it what's really going to happen yeah what are what do our grandchildren eat what do their grandchildren eat yeah you know and it's also you can look at it too like as you know we talk about the control all the time well you know not we can't grow and make what is being provided now. I can't make fake meat. None mm-hmm. of you are going to be able to make that. Mm-hmm. No, no. It's it's getting to the point where all these plant-based things, we're not all going to be able to make that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's controlled to a certain group of people to provide that. Mm-hmm. Well, Instead of us providing it, you know, being able to provide it ourselves. It's the story of Crisco. Maybe I shouldn't say that name, but I did on a large scale. There was not heart disease in the United States until there was a need to find a use for a waste product of cottonseed oil. And uh, they demonized lard and came out with their own cookbook and made it uh, made one evil and the other good put together some good marketing campaigns. And now most American households have that product on their shelf, which is actually poisonous to people. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, but that's where we fall into, you know, somebody, somebody said this and then a person believed it and then more people believed it and then more people believed it. And then you can not only buy just Crisco, you can buy it in butter flavor. You know, oh, yeah. and everybody loves butter. That's you know? right. That's it's right. Like, but it don't—it don't even taste like butter. No, no. I've—I've I've had to get away from that with all my health problems. That—that that was one of the first things to go for me. But you know, it's even beyond people. I mean, if—if you're—if you're a leader at the highest level and you want to affect change, voila, here you go. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, but you know, is. and I. That's one thing that, cause I've been on the phone constantly because I'm trying to do a few things different, you know, on my farm. And that's one thing that I'm going to start doing is to prove the benefits of the meat and of the lard and stuff of the animals that I'm raising is that I am going to get some tests ran so I can show you the actual benefits of what my animals are providing to your table compared to what you're going to get 
Well, let me let me know if you find an affordable option. Uh, we did find someone that would test the Mayshon specifically, and it's a three thousand yeah. dollar investment. And right yeah. now, I I can't make that investment with my other um, business ventures at, at the point they are. I think in a year maybe, but but that that's a that's a big bite for most of us. It is a big bite. It is a big bite for us. And I think that you know, it's the push. So I'm trying to get back to nature, right? Mm -hmm. On my farm. I'm trying to revert back to what I was when I first began because I feel like the need for us to truly know what is going on in our food, but people really need to see the benefits of what we are actually growing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not getting benefits out of this fake shit or anything. Any and a lot of it comes from cattle that is actually putting meth that are farting in the air. You know, like <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it, it's it's just it's I feel like we are on such a spiral at this point that I just don't under I don't understand how there is a lack of comprehension. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that can get into education and all kinds of other things, can it? Yeah. Yeah. I know with what we're doing here, that is one of the big things for us is that with one of the reasons that we've decided to go into sheep is because we can um raise them regeneratively here they can graze basically their entire lives on the grass that we have during the winter we'll obviously have to supplement if we get snow um, we'll have to supplement with hay but it's grass hay that's been cut locally um to finish them we want to do grass finished lamb and we will probably be looking at because we don't have alfalfa grass we may be offering alfalfa hay, which also grows locally, but I feel like we're able to do that. We're able to raise sheep very, very regeneratively here. We're able to take care of the land, be good stewards um, and things like that. And just like Molly said, I feel like if you can, if you have an environment that will naturally support an animal and you want to raise an animal, um, whether that's to feed your family or to provide for your community or whatever it may be, I think that if you can do that in a regenerative way, your carbon footprint is going to be super minimal. Mm -hmm. And that I think is where we have gone off the rails with, with big ag. And I get it. We, you, you do have to have some sense of um, industrializing things to be able to have it commercially. I get that, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, with a lot of the big feedlots and things like that, I see, I understand the purpose and I get it. We have a lot of feedlots around here, but there's also so much land that ruminant animals, whether that's cows, goats, or sheep. I mean, there's even wild animals that are ruminants like deer, deer ruminants, but there's all these lands that animals like that can graze that could not be used for other things. That's why here, we have open rangeland. So the land that the Bureau of Land Management manages, BLM land, there's a lot of larger cattle ranchers that have contracts with them. So anytime we go out places, like for instance, when we went camping a couple weekends ago, there were cows coming through our campsite because it's open rangeland. So you're on national or federal and those cattle can graze that. So I feel like they're obviously probably going to be rounded up and taken to a feedlot to finish off. But I don't know. I, I just feel like things can be done regeneratively. And if more people will stand up for that versus saying, Oh no, we got to get rid of them. We got to get rid of, we got to get rid of the cattle. They're killing us. If people would just like do the research, actually talk to a farmer or rancher and understand the process better. I think that they would be amazed at how, this whole idea could be completely blown up. Mm -hmm. it, takes, it takes about, it takes about 30 seconds of research. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like so incredibly stupid to me. Yeah. It takes about 30 seconds of research to find it. And you know, you want to, you talk about, you can raise them like, your old man has been to where I live and my place is pretty yeah. rough terrain. Um, yeah. It's rough, but I have cows that live on the rough terrain 
and they thrive just just as well you know i loaded my mountains up with the with the pigs and they thrive just as well but i feel like it goes back to also covid and everything you know it's just like we're going back to the beginning it's all about fear yeah if you can make one person be in fear and then that person goes and makes another person be in fear and then another person well then you've got a community of people who are scared who are going to spread about being scared and that's just and it just keeps rolling like a snowball right yeah. right it's that idea that whether it's true or not if you say something enough places to enough people it starts taking root yeah yes well it, and let me it, go let ahead Mina. do you feel like so i personally if i feel like something is craziness um and you know, Kellen and I talk about it and we are on the same page with it. And we both agree. We dig in our heels and we're not going to do the thing. So for instance, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going out there while we were going through the whole COVID thing, we had people all around us who were, you know, taking the jab and doing all this stuff and encouraging us to do it. And for us, it wasn't so much that we were just like, Heck no. I mean, we were kind of that way a little bit, but I think it was also, there's not enough research on this. We're not going to do it out of fear. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it because we feel it's medically necessary and you know, all these kinds of things. But because of that, I didn't care. I didn't care if I lost friends. I didn't care if I had family question my mindset. I didn't care. We were not doing it. And I feel like there's so many people today who are afraid to take a stand for their personal beliefs because they're afraid of what others are going to think of them. Well, and in some cases it may cost them their career too. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. face that, which is a sad state. Yeah. Well, I know yeah. like when Helen is now working, fortunately they lifted the vaccine mandate just after we moved here. So even before he got the job where he's working, they no longer had that. So he doesn't have to get it, but I'm thankful that we were never put in that position. Cause I know, I mean, we had even talked about, okay, what if it gets to the point that we ha somebody has to take it in order to be able to go to the grocery store or mm -hmm. it's kind of like, okay, between me and him, who's, gonna, <laughs> who's going to draw the short straw, you know, like, but I don't know. I, I wish that more people would kind of stick to their guns and not, not let fear and societal pressures um, overrun them, you know, and just, just like with this, with the whole cow thing, um, you know, question it, don't let fear creep in and just really use, use common sense to really think through it, do your research on it. And that way, you know, you're making, like, if you want to support local farmers who are doing these things, you know, you're making that decision for the right reason, not just because it's trendy or whatever it may be, but Anyway, I guess I'm rambling at this point, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is just, I, do you feel like you ladies are the type that if you have something coming along and you just don't feel right about it, are you willing to stick to your guns or do you feel like, nah, okay, I'll just go ahead and do it. There's probably not much harm in it. Well, Bill and I are uh, researchers at the end of the day, uh, I call him Mr. Science for a reason. Everything you just said, the science that had been been the standard up until 2020 was thrown out the window um, yeah. and, and the laws of viruses no longer existed. And for us, that was a big red flag. And yeah. then for, for any scientist to say the science is settled, for us, that was full stop. We're going to do our own research. We're going to decide what we want to do. So I think our track record says that pretty strong. I mean, you know, we taught ourselves how to build our own curing house with a with a pig nobody yeah. had ever heard of. So we're we're uh, kind of independent like that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, but you know, uh, I mean, everybody knows I don't do anything anybody tells me to do. So uh, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what it is. You know, yep. no, not gonna do it. Uh, but. I, you've got to look at it too. The the cattle is kind of taking a hit. You know, the dairy took a hit, yeah. and now and now you know beef cattle and everything they're taking a hit. 
And it's like an elimination once again, you know, just like chicken. Chicken took a hit. You know, it's an elimination of these main sources of proteins and nutrients that we need as humans. It's they are taking a huge hit. And not only are they taking a hit hit health-wise, but it's also putting the financial burden on those farms that have generationally built that up. Right. Right. It's as if uh, modern modern media and, and those out there that, you know, could have a voice in it for the positive just said, eh, whatever, this is what's coming. Might as well get used to it and not even tried to fight or tried to dig in their heels or try to find a solution. And that bugs me, bugs me a lot. Well, I also think, though, on the flip side of that, There are so many struggling farms now, right, financially trying to make it in the world that we are living in, that when you start throwing this on top of it, just like the dairy farms, you know, they were already struggling to make it anyways, and then you throw that, and then, you know, they just throw in the towel, because what the fuck, what have they got left, you know? Right, right. Now we got all these cattle farmers out here, beef farmers, and now they're saying, well, the methane off these cows are going to destroy the planet and kill us. Well, they're already in a struggle for, you know, feed-wise financially anyways. So it, what does it hurt to just jab a little bit of that knife in there on them? You right. know, and make, right. and make them throw in the flag. I think this is a failure of our society. I really do. It's very disheartening. It is. It's, it's very disheartening. And, you know, I've said it a million times, but I feel like, we have come to the point where we have cut the cycle. We are cutting the cycle of what has been the will of our life since creation. But for what? Yeah. yeah. And why? Why? You know, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, are they bored? There's nothing better they can do than come up with <laughs> It's like somebody woke up and they were like, you know, today, I think I'm going to say that cow farts are killing us. Mm-hmm. Like, it start, like it started as a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and it's then no somebody ball. took it serious. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they're well, like, did you, did you hear cow farts can kill you? Weren't we, uh, weren't we all supposed to be under ice right now? Wasn't the ice age coming for us? And yeah. We yeah. were supposed to all be froze by now. So yeah. There's Dude, that. We don't, the thing is, is we don't know the end and we don't know when the end is coming. No, no. but science does prove what Amanda said, that Earth, the earth works in cycles. So yeah. where's that data? <laughs> well, the thing is, is, okay, it's just like, tunnels okay so we have these tunnels through the mountains here uh well they're everywhere even like in hampton roads the tunnels under the water right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay it's like people see the tunnel they completely stop they don't want to go through it you know Mm -hmm. instead of if i was scared i would just fly through it as quick as i could yeah Yeah. you know it's like i don't i don't just just get to the end you know Yeah, but but anyways, it's like we are. We know that there there will be an end to to the planet. Who knows when, right? But why do we want? Why are we trying to create the end? Well, to me, it's a decision we all make every day. You can live in peace, love, and harmony, or fear, anger, and angst. Yeah, like yeah. You know, I already smoke enough cigarettes without the fear. Like, I couldn't <laughs> imagine what I would do. You know, if, anybody, if anybody's hurt in the atmosphere, it's me and these camels down here. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, man. Oh, but, you know, I think, though, I, a lot of it is sad to me because this life is truly so beautiful and so beneficial. Yes. And we as farmers, no matter if you're small or you're big, 
you know, we are contributing and making this world so much better and so much, you know, but it's like, I don't understand how people would rather see, what is it, the, how many stories is that pig skyscraper that they're growing the pigs in? I've heard eight to 15. I, I don't know. I'd have to look that up of late. Like, I mean, you would rather see them grown like that? Right, right. And you talk about a poop problem, and now you got a poop problem. Yeah, really. Like, well, what, 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 do that... they, what do they do? Hmm? What do they do with the manure? Uh, they feed it to uh, shrimp, actually. They can legally uh, grow uh, things like that in water over there. That's why I only eat wild-caught shrimp. And I am not making this up. It is okay to feed pig poop to other things we eat. So it's just shrimp swimming in pig shit. Pretty much. And don't forget, they fed those pigs antibiotics every day of their life so they can oh, live yeah. that close together. Don't forget oh, that. Yeah. <sighs> I wonder if I block off a part of my creek. And I just put... <laughs> You're going to have crawled ads. <laughs> I'm gonna grow. I'm gonna grow penny farm pig shit curled ass. So, um, Denise, my uh, store manager and social media person, we we have a joke. She started it. It's kind of a joke. It's not really a joke, but she's like, they keep jacking with my stuff, and I'm going to the woods, and I'm gonna forage mushrooms and herbs, and I'm gonna eat squirrel. And I said, hang on, hang on. I said uh, the one thing I've stocked up on is pink curing salts. So I will go with you. We will, we will cure the hams off the squirrels. We will be called the squirrel wing place and we will be known far and wide for our mushrooms and our squirrel wings. <laughs> yeah. So we all know what we're eating. <laughs> I know. That's what she told me. She was like, she's like, I'm going, I'm foraging. Yeah. I said, well, hell, I said, that's when I told her, I said, I'd eat the corn out of pig shit, not wipe it off before I'd eat any fake meat. You know, that's right. I just, that's right. But we can, we can survive. But if we keep on the way we are, I mean, people are selling farms left and right that are right. being that are being turned into businesses and subdivisions. They're being concreted over, and you know, they're making it to where it's harder and harder to keep your land. Yes, very much so. Taxes, you know, we're uh, we've seen our taxes uh, probably triple in the ten years we've been here. You know, and, and it's just going to get worse because we're closer and closer to Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, you no, know, go ahead, Amanda. I was going to say, even out here, our tax values are, have gone insane because I feel like, you know, how you have, when we were in North Carolina, we had tons of people from like New York, New Jersey, and basically the Northeast mass exodusing mm -hmm. North here. It's people from, um, like Colorado and California and places like that coming here. And so tax values have like skyrocketed. Our neighbors, um, their property tax, their tax assessment or whatever went up 125,000 just from last year. Holy crap. Yeah. And so they've got to pay, you know, that much more on their property tax, like, you know, whatever the percentage is on that amount, but it's just, it's insanity. And, you know, they, I think they own 11 or 12 acres. Yeah. Mm. And it's just, when it goes up that much for that yeah. amount, like I'm scared when we get our house built. <laughs> well, it, it makes you not want to do anything to like your home wise. It makes you not want to, you know, make it look pretty. <laughs> like, yeah. like what, what's the benefit of me making something look good when it's just going to jack it up? Yeah. 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 Well, it's this just, is, this it's is just... ridiculous, but this is a true story. Okay. My mom lived on the river over in um, Washington County. Okay. There was this family that owned this house and it was, they couldn't live in half of the house. It was an old farmhouse that was <laughs> shaped like a V, right? Or like an L, okay? okay? Half of that farmhouse could not be used because it was just dilapidated. The other half is what they lived in, okay? They had a 
falling down barn. They had this barn that was falling down. And uh, we noticed that they were like working in the barn all the time. And we're like, what are they doing in there? They had put a pool. I'm not lying to you. They put an above ground pool in their barn <laughs> and they hid in the barn because they were afraid that their taxes were going to go up because the pool would make the house nicer. Wow. Huh. <laughs> like that is some redneck hillbilly. Uh huh. That's different. <laughs> I was like, so. Who cares about just as long as your pool is nice and your barber? Can you imagine how nasty that pool was? No. Ugh. Just so you, I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> just a random story. It made me think about it, talking about taxes. Uh, but I feel like, you know, we are, we are living in, not times that we've never been through. We've been, our world, our country has been through this before, right? Where it is, you know, the depression and everything. We've been through it before. But I personally don't want to go through all that myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, I feel like that we need to at least try to stand up and not be scared. And it goes back to everybody. Everybody is so scared to be who they are and, and want what they want and live the way they live anymore, you know, especially if you're trying to do the right thing. And I wish that people would, like we always say, educate themselves, learn and know before you go and make a rash decision that something is truly destroying the earth when it's not. Yeah. Well, and I think too, if you firmly feel or believe a certain way, if you want to, if you don't want to be loud about it, that's fine. But also don't be afraid to share your own values because I feel like that was one thing I used to be terrified to let people know where I stood on certain things because I was afraid it would impact my business. And now, yeah, it may impact my business a little bit. You know, when we get to the point that we have meets available and things like that, but ultimately at the end of the day, I know there are plenty of people out there who would be happy to support a Patriot owned family farm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if there's people that don't want to support that, that's fine. But I feel like our core beliefs are important to us. And we want to share that with as many people as we can to help educate them on why we feel the way we feel. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily go out like pouting the way we feel to like rub it in everybody's face. But if somebody wants to ask, I'm happy to have a conversation with them about why we feel the way we feel on certain things. And I think that that's what it's going to take is more people being willing to share, you know, why they feel a certain way, even if you don't want to get it out there and be loud about it. But if you just want to, you know, subtly work things in, I feel like that lets people kind of know where you stand and why they should support you. And it gives you the opportunity to have further conversations with them about, you know, where you stand on certain things like cow farts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and who in the world, whoever would have thought that you'd be arguing about cow farts? Right. We just spent an hour talking about cow farts. What in yeah. the hell? <laughs> yeah. So anyways, now that we have rambled an hour about a little bit of everything, uh, I think that, you know, the, what our goal is, is not to push people to believe as we believe, but to push people to see the obvious and see the outside perspective and see really what, you know, our, our farms and our, what we're trying to do is about, right? You know, being I, the I agree. Farmer. Yeah, because I think that that what we've talked about and who the three of us are is very much who the majority of small farmers in the country are. It's this yeah. this need to connect, this desire to uh, raise something well that attracted them to farming. And now there's this disconnect in the culture. So yeah. I think that there's a lot of us out there. We just don't really have much of a voice. And, and hopefully this platform helps give others a voice as well. I agree. Yes, yes. Yep. I agree as well. So I love speaking to you guys today. Love to talk about cow farts in the world and how crazy we are. Yeah. Now, how about y'all feed them damn hoes? All right, then. Bye, y'all. All right. Bye. See ya.
Love y'all. See ya. Love you. Bye. Bye.